Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. My first guest is somebody who has had more than her fair share of adversity during the course of the last year. Not only has she had to buy her business out from her ex-husband and ex-business partner Nick, she's also had to endure her son Chester spending a significant amount of time in intensive care after suffering a horrific fall in September. Pleasingly, he is on his way to recovery as well and the yard is now starting to turn a corner. She is a pioneer, not from a racing background, is fiercely determined to do well, not just for herself, but for her owners and her family. I'm delighted to welcome her from her base in Devon. She joins me in our studios in Ealing, Jane Williams. Good morning. Good morning, Nick. It, it is fair to say you have had quite a year and, and not one that anyone would wish on, on their worst enemy, really. Uh, no, we, we sort of got over what we thought was uh, the financial problems of Nick moving to France and... Um, I wanted to continue with the business. We'd been there for 20 years uh, at uh, Culverhill and it seemed a shame for it to just come to an end. So I managed to sort that out and get the finances in place to go forward. Um, got to this, the beginning of this season and thought we were flying. Um, <laughs> did an interview at one point saying I was really bullish about this season. Mm. I so wish I hadn't said that. Uh, and then, and then sort of the world came rather crashing down when Chester was was badly injured and um, and also there were some uh, other family tragedies that you know is not for me to talk about um, which made it very difficult for this mm. the rest of the season um, and then the horses sort of fell in a bit of a hole as well um, and uh, so we got to the end of this year had another family tragedy over Christmas um, and I was very glad that we got to 2023 horses started on the 1st of January uh, in Rem one at uh, Exeter, and it just seemed, we just seem to have turned the corner, and hopefully um, we've had some good results recently. Horses look, I mean, they look fabulous, and they're running well, so I, I think we're back on track. First question everybody will want to know is, how is Chester? Because it was a, a very, very serious head injury. People were, were worried yeah. for, his, for his life initially. Yes, it was, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, well, that was yeah, the worst 20 minutes of my life when I thought he was, wasn't there anymore. Um, he is recovering. He's a real fighter, and he's fighting his way back. He's doing um, he's fabulous, and Fliss's partner uh, helps him a lot, looks after him very well, and he is uh, doing a lot of physiotherapy. He's got fantastic help from the NHS in North Devon, um, and uh, he's doing. Uh, he, he films himself doing this physiotherapy, which he sends out to all our owners groups, and they are so enthusiastic and so supportive of him. And actually, it was interesting that he didn't think anybody cared. And when we sort of, whenever I go racing, I mean, everybody asks me. Mm. You know, people in the weighing room, journalists, um, 
race goers, they all will stop. And I relayed this to him and he, he was really sort of overwhelmed, I think, that actually people cared so much about him. And they do, they just do. I think they realise that, you know, we're in a risky business and every so often somebody, you know, somebody takes a nasty slap and, uh, and uh, you know, and they are very supportive and are wishing him the best. And I think that has given him a bit of impetus to, to really fight back and he's doing very well. And actually he does a lot of writing now. He does, um, I mean, he's an absolute sort of anorak when it comes to form which is why I don't ever know much yeah. about it, because I don't need to, because he knows everything. Um, so he does all of um, sort of previews of, of for our horses and, and reviews and what have you, which also go out on these various WhatsApp groups. Um, so it's keeping him uh, motivated, but it gives us something to do, and he loves it. So that, that's been great. He's a very passionate, smart guy, isn't he? Very switched on, switched on guy. I've always remembered he'd always be corresponding with me about various points <laughs> yes. of form. And, <laughs> We yeah. tried to get him on the show a few times, but obviously yes, he, was he was busy always helping you. He was yeah. always saying, because I said to him, oh, I'm coming on this show. And he said, oh, I, I, I was going to come on there, but I, I was <laughs> you, away racing. You beat him to it. I beat him to it, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, and he, he just was, you know, very, very passionate about racing. Um, he has very, very strong views about lots of, you know, he, not only doesn't know about the form, but he's he's got strong views about... Um, the rules on, I mean, he wrote a long thing about rules on novice chasers one year mm -hmm. and sent it off. I think it was actually published in the Racing Post. So he's very much up to speed with the rules um, and has a view on them. So, yes, uh, certainly for always, always loved mm -hmm. racing and, and will always be in the game, yes. And so the idea was, and I guess the idea now still is, that you and he will push the business forward as one. Well, I think so. As one. Yes, I think so. I mean, I... I haven't held the licence of my name for a long time, although I've trained for a long time. Um, and the idea was that we were going to have a joint licence uh, going forward. I don't know how he feels about that. It's not something to talk about at the moment. Mm. We'll just see how we go, really. OK, and the main thing is that he is moving in the right direction. He is. Which must override everything. When you get up yes. at, out of bed, as you do every morning at half past four, five o'clock, the knowledge that he's still there must, must underpin everything you do. Uh, yeah, it is, because... It's always been a family business. We've, you know, we've always been a strong team. He and I, and um, and I feel that I, I want to him to, you know, it, to be his in the in the long term, and he'll be very good at it. Take me back to to where racehorse training started, because <laughs> you are you are not steeped in the game. Well, it's been a bit of an odd one because actually I was brought up. I, I never learned to ride because I was sort of tied onto a basket saddle when I was tiny and. I could always ride. Mm. Um, my mother bred horses, and then so I, I always rode. But then I, I ended up training as a chartered accountant and didn't do anything with racing until Nick went uh, twenty-five years ago. Went bought a couple of yearlings and we got them home and thought. This, this is Nick, who you were married yeah. to at the time. Yeah, and he wanted. To or train. were you married at the time? I think we weren't married at the time, but anyway, yeah. we did get married in the end. But uh, he wanted to train racehorses, and so we bought some yearlings, a couple of yearlings from Newmarket and um, got them home and thought, I had to get a book actually to work out, I had no idea what to do with them. <laughs> so 27 years ago, I didn't know anything about ra training racehorses at all. Then we bought Carjo Foll from Newmarket, uh, who was our f actually first winner with Richard Johnson. Uh -huh. um, and we just, I mean, really, it's a, it's a sort of, it's a um, hobby gone wrong. Because 
<laughs> we just we just trade we could trade resources for ourselves. And we did a bit of dealing in the early days, and we were quite successful at it. And you know, like one thing after another. Um, and then the end. I think it started with a permit actually. Then we got a license. Then we bought a derelict farm on the other side of the village, twenty years ago, and built it, turned it from a derelict dairy farm into, well, I think quite a smart racing yard with lots of sort of old-fashioned wooden uh, timber boxes. Um, and then ten years ago, we sold the accountancy practice and just trained horses full time. So that's um, so yes, it's been so. Neither I've never worked in racing. Mm-hmm. So it has been a bit of an uphill struggle to learn all the rules and regulations and how to do it. But, you know, we got there in the end. But you have learned and you've been incredibly successful as well. You must have an innate sense of of horsemanship. I think it's stockmanship, isn't it? I mean, I was brought up for farming, so I understand animals. Um, And I love animals and I love horses. Um, I think we're probably based... I mean, our, our system is slightly different than anybody else's, but I suppose because we sort of invented it ourselves. Um, I love buying young horses. Uh, I, I think you learn so much more about them. And we're lucky we've got 100 acres or 200 acres, actually, I think. So we've got plenty of space. So we buy young horses. And actually, at the time, we couldn't afford to buy anything other than young horses. That hence starting there. So we buy yearlings. And that's sort of a model, business model that has continued to now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've, we find the pedigrees that we like. We have a definite, well, uh, as now Chester and myself, that have a definite rule about how we buy horses, buy youngsters, and you learn so much about them. What's, uh, your, what's your rule? What, what, do you, what do you go by? Oh, it's very much more about dam lines. It's, um, it's, it's about, you're very much looking at the dam line, you're looking for horses, dams that have won races, and a, a sort of a depth of pedigree. So, uh, which uh, I think it improves our strike rate overall. And also we're looking for horses that are not for now, but are for, you know, trying to buy sort of staying chasers, really, mm-hmm. or staying horses. So something that will improve from, you know, three to six um, and carry on improving, which most of our horses do. So, yeah, we've got definite rules about what we buy. So when we go to the sales, you know, we don't mark off very money because the, very few actually fit the criteria that, that we want. And it's very much about the, the sire, dam sire, and second dam sire. It's a sort of you look at a page and you can just see what you're looking, what you need. Um, and we like to buy from winning dams or dams of breadwinners. Um, but equally, we don't have a very large budget, so you have to, be <laughs> you know, we have to be a bit clever, clever about it. But so, we're, so we're still buying yearlings. It's getting a bit harder at the moment because the sales are strong. But. It's interesting this because some people will will sit in that seat and tell me that they will compromise on pedigree to get a nice individual, whereas you won't compromise on pedigree, but you will try and get horses in your yard earlier so you're not having to pay pay money for proven stock. I, I don't have the owners that want that have can buy form horses, um, or or really even sort of three year olds. We're having to buy, and actually it suits me. Because we're buying youngsters, we break them in ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've had them, it's a bit like flake training flat horses, and actually we've had an amazing season with our juveniles this year. Um, but yeah, but we bought them as yearlings, or maybe two-year-olds, and we, we know them well. Uh, um, we, know what, you know, we know how to train them. We know when to push them, when to lay off them, um, when to give them a bit more time. We know which ones are precocious, which ones are slower. You, know, you, could, do all, you, know, you could do all of that sort of stuff if you buy them when, you're, when they're young. So we have a big advantage, but then we have to, you know, people have to wait. 
and it's obviously a system that, that worked really well. You and Nick were accountants together, yes. and, you were, and you were training together. What kind of advantage did it give you, having that more business-like mindset to, to apply to training? I think that's a very interesting point. I think you do have to be conscious of the business side of things. Um, you know, for example, I always like to see how much our earnings per run are. I mean, we're just under 2,000 per run at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, we do need to be able to put money back to owners, really. And uh, you know, it's important where you are on the table. But obviously, when you only train, I think we've got 30 horses in at the moment that could run. When you only train small numbers, we're never going to get to the top 20 very easily. So, but if you look at the earnings per run of these horses um, and the syndicates we run, you know, th- 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 we tend to have dividends being paid back to owners every year. Mm-hmm. I think that helps. I think that keeps people interested. It keeps people in the game. Um, and I think we do have to, we know, we, do ha- we don't have targets or whatever, but we do, we do, we're conscious that we have to earn, horses have to earn um, uh, and give something back to their owners, really. Well, the studio has been full of chatter since you were last with me because Jane Williams is now flanked by Paige Fuller and by our regular uh, Neil Channing, who appears as though he's turned up. <laughs> what is it today? Is that Banksy? It certainly is, yes. Yeah. Very, very, very much so. Yeah. yeah. What, why? Well, I've moved to Bristol, so I thought, I'd, you know, it was that or Wallace and Gromit. Okay, well, it's, it's very nice to see you. We're not going to give you any more cheese, but there are pastries there. If you, well, that, 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 if, if cracking, you want cracking pastries. Um, we are all very pleased to see you, Paige Fuller, looking <laughs> so, so well and on the cusp, hopefully, of a, of a comeback. Yeah, it's, um, it's all looking good. Looking forward to it, yeah. And you arrived um, looking great. You still do, but we ought to explain why you're like, fully togged up in a, in a puffer jacket. I'm still cold from all the wind and the rain. I've been used to the Jeep, so I thought I'd come... No, I've, I've got a green shirt on. Didn't get the memo. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> your, your sponsors are very happy. We're very, we're very happy you're here. Um, and for anyone who's just, um, just arrived or just tuned in or just um, taken an interest in the racing game, you won't know that... Paige also has had a, a pretty challenging few months because you're running in a race at Fontwell in late September, early October. Yeah. And something very strange happened. Just just explain what unfolded. <laughs> um, it sounds so much worse than it actually is. And I think everyone's probably quite sick of hearing about it by now. But um, basically, uh, I, I was galloping into the first fence and I suddenly realised that I couldn't see any of the horses on my right side. Um, and as I was coming into the fence, I sort of started feeling like I was going to pass out. Luckily, I didn't. Horse got me over the fence, thankfully. Um, and as I went to pull up, I like had this severe pain through my right arm and I couldn't really use it. Uh, but luckily, the, the horse pulled up for me. Um, I thought, God, that's a bit weird. I sort of got off, had a moment, I was fine. Um, and then through sort of CT scans and MRIs that day, uh, it turned out that I basically had a dissection of the artery in my neck, which can be... It was just on the inside, so it's not like it was sort of um, torn all the way through, but uh, when the body tries to heal that, it can cause a clot, and that caused a tiny stroke, which, yeah, sounds really bad, but actually, as you can see, like... I'm, I'm it does really, sound really bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does sound really bad. Um, it, it does, because clearly people associate strokes with being as they are extremely serious medical conditions. And when you tried to 
explained the situation around it and said dissection of the artery. That doesn't sound any less bad. If you're trying to undersell it, that's, that's not necessarily the, the way I do it. But did you have any idea what might be happening when it, when it started occurring? No, not at all. I'd had a fall sort of uh, the week, two weekends beforehand. Uh, I'd had a pretty stiff neck from what you know whiplash since. Uh, but you know, you just get that treated. We're used to it. Like you just end up having stiff neck and shoulders. That's mm. just the life of a jockey. So I'd had treatment on it, um, and then I, I just thought when it happened, I thought, oh god, you stupid cow. Basically, you haven't got your neck sorted properly. You must have trapped a nerve or something. Just because it was like, oh, it was so much pain that I sort of just assumed that, you know, a nerve was trapped or something. But yeah, it wasn't, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then you found out what had hap happened. Were you frightened? Yeah, I think it was a real mix of emotions. Uh, I sort of only found out at sort of 3.30 in the morning as well, so, you know, God, you don't sleep after that. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a relief that it... Um, it was black and white, you know, that they could see what had happened. But at the same time, you do sort of think, God, I was really lucky, you know, especially like what's happened with, you know, Bless and Chester mm. and everyone like mm. that. You're sort of thinking, yeah. God, that, you know, brain damage is brain damage, isn't it? And until you know that extent, you know, it is worrying, like, you know, your career could just be over like that or you could be absolutely fine. And luckily, you know, Riz, the doctor who was there that day, you know, he was so blasé about it. He was like, he didn't know what, had ha I mean, he did know what, he thought what had happened, but he didn't tell me what he thought had happened. And even he at the races, and when I spoke to him afterwards, was like, oh yeah, and young people, it's absolutely fine. Mm. Like people, young people have them. But mm. yeah, the first couple of weeks were, you know, and for the people around me as well. I think that's quite a shock for, you know, my parents, my partner. It was, um, yeah, quite an emotional time. But like after a couple of weeks, I realised like, I can walk, I can talk, I was absolutely fine, just feeling a bit groggy and, yeah. And when it's you that it's happening to, I guess you feel an element of control mm. because you know how you're feeling inside you. And even if you're feeling poorly, people around you don't have, have that comfort really, do they? They can be told something by a doctor, but they don't, they don't really know how you're feeling. Yeah, and, and also they're not there for the doctor. So, you, you know, you can say, oh, well, they seem really relaxed about it. They put me, just put me on some aspirin and some blood thinners and I'm going to have an MRI and go home. Oh, really? You know, <laughs> is it that straightforward? Well, yeah, they seem quite relaxed about it. But equally, until they've actually seen you and see that you're not sort of lopsided and, you know, you can walk absolutely fine. And, you know, it was it is scary for everyone. Um, I think more than anything else but no luckily as you say for me I could mm -hmm. feel actually I'm gonna be okay because I'm functioning fine so and you said it was was quite an emotional time w was it difficult in, in reintegrating after that and being able to just live the life that that everybody wanted you to live um, no, again, like I'm so lucky that it, it was so, so low down on the scale. Um, so I couldn't drive for a month. So I just kind of had a good chance to just let my head recover a bit. Um, mm. I'd go and stay over a night in Lambourne in the week just to get out of the house and, you know, go and watch mm. the horses schooling. And, and that was nice. And actually, I felt pretty normal. It was only really when I started trying to kick on that I realised I had a really busy first week. I sort of was helping Dave Cross with some hospitality on the Sunday, and then suddenly the next week I was in the gym and I was just like, I can't do this. I was just knackered. 
Um, but then you learn to manage it and like with all head injuries they improve in time and um, mm. so now like I've had a week riding out and in the gym and I feel great like this is the best week I've probably had since I've been off um, so you know it just takes time. So it's a question of not trying to push yourself too fast but of course that's completely counter to the instincts of a professional sports person <laughs> which is to be on it all the time. Yeah I mean, and it's such a different type of rehab like I broke my wrist back in March and the whole way through that I was pushing it, I was pushing it I was like right have the surgery two weeks later try and see the specialist you know you're trying to push it you're testing it you're doing as much movement as you can you're pushing the limits um, whereas for this you, you just kind of there was no feeling of whether or not my artery was healing I can remember stood on the gallops with Jamie just before the um, scan came and I thought oh, my neck's feeling a bit stiff again. Does that mean that it still hasn't healed? You know, and then you have all these sorts of thoughts running around your head and you end up just completely frying yourself because you have no quantifiable sort of mm. reason. You know, you don't know how you're getting on, which was annoying, but, yeah, it's fine. And, yeah, that's the thing with something that's internal rather than or external or, or skeletal. You, you, you've just got that little more, more uncertainty. I, I sort of re remember having a an operation when I had half my insides taken out thinking I'll do everything that the doctor says because I can't see I can't yeah. see the physical manifestation of the injury 100% 100% but look you know Oatsy House are great um, and they going there I, it, I'm so lucky that I live so close because that is kind of my when I'm off injured I've always found it's it's my safe space in the sense that you're always talking to other people and it's such an amazing atmosphere there as I say I had that crash the week afterwards and they were they were like a little bit concerned because they hadn't seen me like that but they know me well enough to yeah. recognize that that wasn't me so you know they'd already started putting things in place to just make sure that I got through it without telling me they didn't think I was okay things like that where they just know you so well they help you get through it without actually really you know seeming like they're trying that hard because they just do it because they're pretty amazing there. Jane's been been nodding away beside yeah. you and, and listening with interest. I mean, this is all all very real and and very raw for for you for you at the moment as someone who's been the you know so close to somebody recovering from from a, a head injury. Yeah, t uh, Chester is. Uh, I mean, he has had fabulous support um, from North Devon District um, NHS. So he has um, occupational therapists and uh, physiotherapists and. Uh, um, a psychiatric um, help as well um, and they've been really really supportive he's been to Lambourne for um, an assessment I think but of course it's three hour drive yeah. from us um, I think we've now got the um, I, uh, Interjockey Fund hub in Taunton which I think he's going to be using but he's not he's not got to the stage where he mm. there yet mm -hmm. he's, he's still um, and obviously he, he, he can't drive and Fliss will have to drive him. And he, um, so yes, yeah, so we haven't, haven't, he hasn't mm. used that yet, but he's, he's very much getting a lot of support at home. He's very happy with the support. In fact, they've told him um, that he needs to just calm it down a bit because mm. actually he's doing too much. Well, that I could see you nodding away when, when <laughs> yeah. Paige was saying, I was trying to do a yes. lot and they, I realised my, my body couldn't really take it. No, they're saying with him, uh, mentally, uh, physically and mentally, that he needs to slow down because actually you can almost do more damage by pushing yourself too hard. Mm -hmm. um, so he's now very careful and he does a lot of work for us, but they've also said that, you know, for me, on race planning and talking to owners and, and all, just all this sort of thing, and 
Um, I'm very surprised at how long it takes to sit and work out race planning. I, 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 having done quite a bit of it recently, I think you can spend hours and hours, mm. and actually he has to limit himself. He can only, you know, he has to say, well, and then he'll, t you know, he's got to t switch his phone off and just stop for a bit. So he can do an hour or whatever, what he's comfortable doing, but mm -hmm. then he's got to give himself a break. Mm. Um, Paige, you've tentatively set yourself a, a, a return date? Uh, not date, I'm sort of looking towards, I sort of gave myself, I'd say a week, this week I was quietly riding out and doing the gym. If that was okay, move on to n next week, I'm going to try and get in a few more yards. And if that's still okay, I'll, I need to speak to Jerry. He sort of said, oh, yeah, led by you, but I'll probably say this, this is Jerry. Jerry Hill. <laughs> Jerry Hill, yeah. Um, so he, he, I still need to do, I need to pass concussion tests still um, and my fitness test, but Oaksy aren't worried about my fitness. So hopefully, yeah, I was uh, talking to Jerry. I'll hopefully be doing my concussion test and that towards the end of the month. So as long as everything keeps progressing, mm -hmm. that would be nice. But, <laughs> but it's looking like this season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, the MRI has showed that the artery's healed, so that side of it's healed. So it's just making sure that my body is, is ready to take it. And I'd say this is the best week I've had um, since, since my accident, I'd mm. say. So I'm feeling fairly positive now that that is realistic to be t towards the end of the month, start of next month, back for the spring. And that's where I'm actually really lucky as well this time of year. If it was March, you probably end up rushing to try and get back because there's loads of spare rides. Whereas at the moment, you know, the weather's getting bad, fixtures are going to get cooled off. I don't think I'm missing loads and loads. Um, so I can give my body time. And has this made you think very differently about your life, your career, its, its longevity and so forth? Um, there were definitely moments, um, certainly at the start of the injury, uh, injury, where you didn't really know the extent of it. Um, the NHS doctors just said, oh, you know, I advise you reconsider riding horses at all. Um, and then I saw the specialist and he was like, oh, yeah, no, you'll have no problem. <laughs> no. So, um, so, yeah, that first four weeks I was like, OK, right, I really need to start sort of, um, you know, just making sure I've got all my ducks in a row. So, I, you know, it's been... a hopefully a constructive three months um but as i say look it's been a difficult year missing march and april with my wrist and then the autumn as probably my first proper year as a full professional is tough so i'm sort of under no illusions that coming back is going to be hard graft mm. um but at the end of the day that's what we're here for i think the stubbornness inside me is, is sort of overriding the sensible side, like most <laughs> most jockeys. So, <laughs> yeah. And you'll have been massively missed from the weighing room as well. Not only because I'm sure you're uh, very good company in the weighing room, but or you were you were leading the way for for other female riders in terms of making sure that facilities for women jockeys were getting better across racecourses. Have you still been able to keep your hand in there? Yeah, definitely. Um, they, they they were good like for the first month they didn't really bother me um and uh look you know it's a slow process so you know there, there hasn't been loads to do um luckily hope you know went up to Doncaster to meet with the rca while i was off as well and and look there's loads of people working on that project mm. like i'm certainly no integral cog in that in that wheel um but yeah i, I do i do keep the pressure on because it's it's really important mm. and it is happening and we've had a lot of Race courses taking it on, you know, Brighton, Fakenham, Taunton, Leicester, 
they're all done. So now we have these central balloting areas, which is brilliant. I think everyone, it's not just the females, it's the males. I think everyone feels a lot more comfortable with that. So yeah, it's, it's just trying, to, it's obviously hard time for race courses at the moment. Um, so it's trying to progress that without, you know, obviously too much compromise as well. But I would say that, you, you know, you were gently and consistently persistent. And I think that's what's important, isn't it? It's making sure that you are a squeaky wheel or a dripping tap or whatever and people mm. don't forget. Definitely. Um, you know, and the girls, I think, have been really good. And, 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 and the guys as well, both of them want this now. You know, um, when I mean, there were a few of us that sent a letter into BHA about four years ago saying, right, this isn't good enough. And we probably weren't hard enough on them there. Uh, so... You know, I think it's just got to that point mm. now where things just need are changing. Mm. It really are changing, and and it's for the better. Um, but as you say, like it's just keeping that pressure on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Jane, again, something that you can you can identify pretty well with. Yeah, I, I think Lizzie's been was involved in very much in the early yeah. days yeah. Um, with that sort of thing. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we just need to move with the times, don't we? Really. Well, there is no doubt that on this show today we're hearing about um, a significant amount of determination, persistence and triumph over, over adversity. Yesterday, the victory of I will do it in the classic chase at Warwick <laughs> em embodied all of that, um, both in name and in spirit. Uh, and his trainer, Sam Thomas, joins me now. Sam, good morning. Good morning, Nick. How are you? Now, you did confess to me yesterday that um, there might be a, a celebration or two last night how are you how are you holding up this morning how have you pulled out this morning yeah a bit a bit stiff this morning uh, Nick better say <laughs> the trainer doesn't have uh, as good a stamina as his horse that's for sure and how is I will do it more importantly yeah he's absolutely fine James uh, my assistant just sent me a video through of him trotting up and um, he's already out in the paddock which is lovely with uh, dear Mark or the horse that won yesterday well all three horses trotted up lovely this morning so yeah delighted they've all come out of the race very well they're all interesting, the two winners and indeed the horse that, that didn't complete yesterday but still run with, with encouragement. Let's talk about I Will Do It first of all uh, at Warwick. Going into yesterday, off this monster absence, could you go in with great confidence or not? Uh, well, Nick, he's, he's, he's a horse which um, sort of gets himself fit at home, if you like. He's, he's quite a busy horse and he's always sort of trying his best at home. So with a horse like that, you're sort of fairly confident you're going to be taking them to the races fit and I sort of felt we had him in the same uh, sort of places when he went and won the trial last season so yeah we were confident he'd done enough work but the, the biggest if was obviously just carrying that bit bit more weight and being a bit higher up in the handicaps so that was a bit of the unknown but um, yeah those are his conditions aren't they he just seems to he just seems to love soft ground and he's just an out and out galloper um, he also absolutely bolted up really I know the runner up was closing him down late but you'd seen a sight of the front yeah, plenty early, early enough, and he's pricking his ears as he comes past the bypass last. Yeah, that's it. You know, it would have been better for us to have that last fence in. But um, yeah, look, I mean, he's he's just very uncomplicated, isn't he? He just seems to, you know, give his jockeys a lovely ride, and um, even with his jumping, he doesn't waste any time in the air. He's very economical, and um, yeah, it's just a real pleasure to watch for for, for yesterday, really. I think Stan Shepherd enjoyed that enjoyed that again. Now, now you've got him back to the track. Can you get a clear shot with him, do you think? Are you going to be able to, to run him a bit? I think so, Nick, yeah. Um, you know, I like to think that, you know, he'll come out of this race just fine um, and, and sort of touch what he has been a, a fair bit easier to train this season. Um, he, he sort of was, has been a bit fragile, if you like, and, and sort of 
can get a bit picky with his eating as well, which obviously doesn't help. Um, so, yeah, I don't see why not. And um, we just need to make a, a plan of where we want to go next, really. Well, the Grand National is the obvious race for, for him. Um, can you see him going straight to Aintree? Uh, no, because he needs another run to qualify to run. So, ah. um, yeah, so that's only his fifth fifth run yesterday. So he needs. Uh, so six. I believe he, he needs, needs one more. He needs six to to, yeah. to get into the race, doesn't he? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, it would be the obvious target, and, and to be honest, I've, I've still got to discuss that with the syndicate uh, sort of manager and also his breeder, Stan Brown. Um, you know, who ultimately probably has the say on where we want to go with him, really, in that sense. But, um, yeah, it would look the obvious target, I guess. And, um, you know, should it come up soft again, it would certainly play into his hands. And, and yesterday for you was a, was a, a massively important day. As you, you say, you, you won with, with Deer Mark at, at Kempton. Uh, he was given quotes for the Betfair hurdle after his victory there. Is that the, is that the likely target for him? Uh, I'd like to think so, Nick, if we can squeak, uh, squeak in. Um, we, we were off 119, but, um, you know, yesterday. So, yeah, I thought... I thought that was a nice mark yesterday, really. So um, one thing that has surprised me is, is, is the fact he's handling soft ground. You know, if you'd have said to me he's won twice on soft ground this season, I, I wouldn't have believed you. I always thought he was a better ground horse. So, yeah, he's getting better with each run, really. And um, to be honest, we worked him in the week. And um, James and I, my assistant, both said, you know, we need to be running this horse on the flat, really. He's got so much speed. So, yeah, I just think a big field like that, if he can sneak in up, up the bottom of the weights, he, he could just go and run a big race. And you brought Angel's breath back off a, an 1,100-day layoff. He looked like he ran well up to a point. I mean, what was your what was your assessment of his of his performance? Yeah, obviously, just being off for so long, Nick. He just ran the race the wrong way around in that he was just too keen and ran with the choke out. You know, and there's only so much you can do to prepare them for that. Really, at home, um, he's done heaps and heaps of bits of work, but that was just the excitement coming out in him. Um, he's just been too exuberant. But Sammy was delighted. Um, he was really sort of trying to keep a lid on him at every stage um, and to still be sort of there turning in before he got tired. I think, you know, we take a lot of positives out of that. Um, he trotted up sound this morning. And, um, yeah, now we've got that run under our belt. I think we can maybe plan plan on plan on now, I think. Yeah, like it was just a, a bit of a fact-finding mission yesterday. And um, thankfully, we've got that, that out of the way. And now we can look forward. Uh, I, I watched you interviewed very briefly on, on ITV at Warwick yesterday. And, you became quite emotional after the race, and for understandable reasons as well. You you survived a, a helicopter crash earlier on in in the season. We spoke about it briefly the other day. How how do you feel in in yourself? Yeah, good. Nick. I mean, um, yeah, testing testing sort of month or two really just to try and get my head sort of back on the straight and narrow, if you like. Um, and I think the big help is actually being able to get outside and train these horses and give myself something to focus on really I think that's been a huge help for me um, and um, yeah I'm very lucky you know it could have been a hell of a lot worse and um, I'm just keeping my head down and, and trying to do the best job we can and and to continue to to train and and, and train winners for for Dai who obviously was very seriously injured in the in that crash what does what does that mean to, to you yeah I mean it, it's sort of if anything it's sort of gives me more incentive to train winners for, for Di and for Sarah and all, all of the family because um, anything I can do to give give him a boost to help his recovery is is, is going to be, in my eyes, a positive, really. So that's that's a big incentive for me to, to keep training these winners and um, keep doing the best I can. Never a low-key Saturday for Dan Skelton either, is it, Dan? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's been plenty of them, Nick. 
<laughs> oh come on we know that we know that come warwick in the middle of january it's dan skelton day but some of us were foolish enough to forget it well i would say we have been lucky just recently that the saturdays have been have been pretty positive so yeah and then obviously to do it at warwick's up the road I, you know somebody said to me what's it like i said I, you know it's, it's brilliant to just nip up the road and to, to the horses to run so well and um yeah, just uh, it's weird how it goes, isn't it? Sometimes with horses, you know, everything you do seems wrong, and then other days, everything you do just slips into place, and that's just, I suppose, that's sport a little bit as well. But just, you know, long may it continue, I suppose. We we just had a little look at Gallia de Lito, the mare who won the novice chase. Is she a real one? Do you think, Dan? Is she is she yeah. a proper one? Yeah, she is. Um, she is more effective. Like, however good she is, she is significantly more effective on soft ground. So. You know, if she happened to be a, I don't know, a, a one forty horse on on good ground, you know, I think you can upgrade that at least ten pound on 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 soft ground. Um, she has a fabulous attitude. She sees the trip out well. She loves jumping. And then what happened at um, Kempton in the Cottage Star? She made two mistakes. She made the the second one because she made the first one, and and that's what novices can do. And actually, in a weird little way, after she'd made that second mistake, Harry pulled her up and she didn't get a hard day. And and because she didn't get a hard day, she, she could run and win yesterday, I think, if she'd have kept her going to finish a remote fourth. Um you know. I don't I don't I don't think we'd have I don't think we'd have performed like we did yesterday. So again, sport sometimes, you know, you make you make the right decision for the wrong reasons and, and, and it just comes off. Is there a is there a massive race in her when it if it if it rains and if so which is it? I think going into the spring you have to be um, you you probably have to be aware that the ground will potentially scupper like the big big one, um, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be beyond to think that next year. She could be running. I would fancy her in something like a many clouds. Um, you know, to say a Grade One is is a big is a big deal. And where do you find that Grade One on that on that type of ground? Um, I wouldn't be afraid if it came up really really soft to run her in the in the Grade One novice chase at um, at Fairy House over over Easter. I think is that Powers. Mm. Yeah, I mean I know it's two mile four, but if it was really really soft, I'd, I I wouldn't see that I wouldn't see that being a, a problem. So maybe. Maybe we could consider that. Cheltenham would come into consideration, but she'd have to have it really, st- really slow ground. It'd just have to almost be like a Wednesday of last year, which nobody wants to see. So um, uh, you might get to a later stage in her life where you have to go and take in these races on better ground. But while she's a young horse and we know what really suits her, I think we've got to keep her to that. Grey Dawning was, was very tough yesterday. Um, the, the two horses that he beat sort of really started setting each other alight down the back. And... Uh, my own read was that it was a ride of, of of great restraint from Harry. Is that something that you thought watching it? Yeah, it's quite strangely. I think he's a horse that's almost easier to ride in the latter stages when he's off the bridle because you can you can actually push him somewhere. When he's on the bridle, he's he's one of those horses that you know he wobbles around a little bit. And you know, if you see here, look, he goes left, and then on landing, Harry pulls him back to the right, and then you know. He, you can see he's, he just wanders around a little, and when he's on the bridle, he, he can just be a little inconsistent. He's actually better when he's off it, and you can sort of keep forcing him. But they went a real strong gallop in that race yesterday, and the, the, the second and third were a long way clear of the fourth and fifth. And you know, 
at the end of the day, Grey Dawning was quite authoritative from the back of the last. It was slow motion stuff in that ground, yeah. I mean, he didn't jump up and down and go, wow, can't wait to see this lot fly around on good ground at Cheltenham. But, <laughs> you know, that's not that's not what he's about. Um, we'll enter him in the Neptune, but I think if we were to go there, he'd go for the, the Albert Bartlett. Because um, I could see that track and the, ultimately the way the race suits him, um, the way the races run suit him significantly more. Yeah, proper proper stay up, but a, but a high class one. How good yeah. is West Balboa? Clearly she was well handicapped yesterday in the very, very sticky and difficult ground at Kempton, but you ran her in a grade one last year. Are you are you minded to, to push her up again? Yeah. I, you know, she she had two runs in novice hurdles last year. She won on the bridle at Warwick. She was second to stage star in a grade one. That's no disgrace. This year, the only sort of run run I could get her race I could get her in really that sort of made any sense at all was at Sandown and she just she just took a blow after being off for so long. Really fancied her yesterday. I think it was a very, very good handicap hurdle. Twenty started, four finished. You've got to be a good horse to even get round yesterday, apparently. Um and if she had pinged the last she might have won a little easier and you know it might have it might have took a sort of slightly more sort of long-term sort of positive view on on fancy targets but it doesn't diminish what you know the, the jump at the last and and the distance she's won doesn't diminish my opinion of her um and we'll just see what the handicapper does because you know if he if he reacts sensitively um then we may just look at another handicap before we we took in um some graded races um if he was you know reacted aggressively then we would take a different view uh, running in the colours of of Roxana as well, and you you made the point yesterday about how how well you've done with good fillies and mares. Is there something about your training regimen that suits them? Do you think? I haven't got a clue. Um, well, I did. <laughs> I, I haven't got a clue. But I did make a very conscious effort right when I first started training. When you go to the sales, the fillies are often the cheaper of the two, rightly or wrongly. Um, you can often get a very well-bred filly and a good-sized filly for less money. Um, a lot of the owner breeders um, were keeping their fillies to race, and you know there was a lot of um, leases going on with 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 good horses, uh, good well-bred horses. And I made a sort of a mental note right at the very very start: if we can do well with fillies, it's going to help us significantly. Um, and ultimately, I've got an interest, and I always have had an interest in the breeding angle. And obviously, we've taken that much further this year, but um, or over, over the last three years. But um, I think that if you, you know, Honeysuckle's shown, you know, you, and 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 many more before her, um, you know, that seven pound. If you've got a really really good one, that seven pound can you know almost be for free. Um, so yeah, we've always done well with the fillies, and we've always. Uh, always had it in our mind that we should do so perhaps we're a little softer on them uh, between races um you've got to be you've got to be hard on them to get them fit you've got to be hard on any horse to get them fit but perhaps in between we're not quite as hard on them and that suits them dan thanks so much for your time oh before you go before you go i just want wanted to ask one one more thing i put it to your brother earlier in the week that that his his celebration should be called called the seagull. He was absolutely livid with me. Said it was the worst name he could possibly think of. <laughs> but I, has anyone come up with a better one yet? Um, I heard the two yesterday. I heard the Harry plane. 
Oh dear. And the skelicopter. <laughs> <laughs> um, has Make it been, those what you want. Has it been the source of uh, sufficient amusement in and around the yard in the morning? Yeah, it has. Um, uh, my nephew yesterday decided that he was going to do it with his legs on his on his bike and nearly come a cropper. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's amusing. I, I, look, I really like it, and there's been a lot of positive and negative response to it. But you know, at the end of the day, Harry has a responsibility as one of the leading jockeys, and and now he's, you know, now we're we're sort of winning these better races. Um, he's one of the more high-profile ones, and if it if it's a bit of a positive, fun spin on 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 what is otherwise a you know a really serious sport, and 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 people can associate with that i think it's a positive i don't think we should be looking at it uh, the way a few people have suggested that we should but um i, I love it and I, i'll encourage it is it one of those things and i don't know because i'm not you know it's a long time since i it's i've ridden a horse but i i saw there was a bit of a video doing the rounds earlier in the week a viral video of somebody copying it at a yard and getting and duly getting bucked off at the, at the same time for, tr- for trying to do it i'm sure you've seen it is it one of those things that you just have to trust people's instinct yeah, you do something. You, you know what I mean. I think it's different. I think it's different going past the post on a horse that's just done upwards of two miles mm. and is, you know, is not a fresh horse than than doing exactly. it when you first hop on your hop on a fresh three-year-old and think <laughs> that it's going to go well. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, people fall off horses every single day. There'll be there'll be fun riders falling off today, left, right, and centre, round, you know, you know, round the country that. You know, they never expected any any danger of falling off. It, you know, if you if you get on, you can fall off. Um, Harry takes a Harry takes a um, a measured risk, and he is a professional. And um, is it really much different to Frankie jumping off one? Well, I mean, as I say, you've just got to you've just got to leave it to the instinct and the judgment of the of the person concerned. If it goes wrong for them, it goes wrong. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Anyway, I think it's. Um... I don't, I don't. I don't really have a a, a strong a strong view either way. Yeah, if he I, wants to do it, if he wants to do it, let him get on with it. Exactly. The one thing I would say is I agree with the seagull. I think we'll keep that out. <laughs> <laughs> I I explain my working, but I can't explain that on a family show, Dan. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to leave it there. Thanks so much. Bye. Welcome back. I'm pleased to be joined by Yorkshire-based trainer David Griffiths, who's tasted success at a very high level with some very good sprinters down the years. The Dash winner, Duke of Firenze, the Patton winner, Ornate, and perhaps most notably the multiple uh, graded stakes winner, group winner, um, Take Cover. Uh, but David, you had a 125-to-1 winner the other day called... End of the Storm. And that somewhat sums up how you're, you're feeling at the moment just explain where you're at yeah it's um morning nick by the way morning everyone it's uh we from 2019 we went from about 35 horses and now we've got about 10 in and um it's just uh it's it's difficult um and at the minute now we don't know where we're going pretty much um we haven't got enough when, when they go to the sales at the end of the end of the month there's probably not enough horses to 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 keep going you know mm. so you're in a bit of limbo a little bit, yeah. Um, we're still training, and uh, the guys are training for a great. Um, but uh, realistically, if it doesn't, if things don't change in the next month or so, um, that, that you know, that could be it. How do you you feel about it in yourself? Uh, it, it's disappointing. We've had, a, um, you know, we're lucky to have 
uh, winners at the top, well, Group 2 winners, um, Group 1 placed, um, uh, mostly sprinters. And in fairness, we've done pretty well. Mm. Um, and it's... Uh, and I don't know why there's, there doesn't seem to be the owners around or the money around at the minute. See, I'm surprised, and you see, that's because I'm not paying close enough attention to everyone and their changing fortunes and so forth. If somebody had said to me, without you coming in today, how's David Griffiths doing? I'm like, oh yeah, David Griffiths, good trainer of sprinters, he'll pop up with a group winner sometime this year. And yeah. of course, reputationally, that's where you still are in my head and probably in a lot of people's head, but it's somehow not parlayed its way into, into more owners. Why do you think that is? Again, um, I'm not. I'm not sure. To be honest, um, we're we're well based. Um, we can do the job, uh, like the results show. Um, and other than that, I, I I can't. I don't know. To be honest, I can't see any new owners coming in at the minute. Um, uh, the owners that we've had before to sort of take covers owner and that they've gone and Duke of Frenzy. That a lot of them haven't reinvested. Um, and that's. I, I don't. I don't really know why. To be honest. And in in terms of what you've achieved over the over the last few years. Do you look back on it still with a with a sense of of decent satisfaction? Yeah, uh, we've done. Look, we've we've we're dual Group Two winning trainer, um, Group Three winners, Ireland, England, and France, um, Group One placed, and Dash winners and Heritage handicaps. We're, you know, where I'm delighted the way the way it's gone. Myself and my wife, and it's been amazing. And if it if it is going to end in the next month or so or whatever, then so be it. It's not the end of the world. Um, but it would be a, a shame. But um, it's, it's, at the minute, it's not sustainable to keep going. And your wife, Sophie's just given birth to your third child. Yes. The Orson is... Orson. Orson. Orson Rio is uh, 14 <laughs> weeks old now, yes. Yeah, so. And the elder two are how old? Uh, Kira is 11 and William's 9. Okay, so there's a bit of a gap between <laughs> between the second and third. <laughs> yeah, so this is going to be another this is going to be another phase of the Griffiths life, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And ha have you remembered how to do all the things that you need to do? No, I've forgotten totally. <laughs> Absolutely forgot. I mean, it's amazing about... how your brain flushes yeah, it all out. Isn't totally, it? <laughs> yeah, totally. So is that kind of informing you a little bit? Do you think right? I'm now going to be a dad to young kids for another fifteen, sixteen, yeah. seventeen years. Yeah. It's um, yeah, I think. Um, with with the the, the and William and this one, um, it's we work we worked hard. We always have, um, and we've always every year we've got the results. And um, you don't mind working hard if you're getting reward for it, we're like training good horses. And and um, but when you're working hard and you're not you're not achieving the the same sort of thing as, as arguably you should be, um, or you haven't got the, the same horses in the yard that that um, to, to win those races, mm -hmm. then it's sort of banging your head against a brick wall sometimes. So, you look around and think of right how you how you transfer your skills. Is that what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, we're, we're actively looking. Um, uh, there's nothing in place at the minute, but um, we're actively looking uh, around. I mean, we're lucky to have the yard. We we can do a lot of different things with, with the yard we've got. Um, so there's there's plenty of there's plenty of options. I'm not particularly. It's not the end of the world. I'm not particularly totally worried. But um, if we did have to stop, it would be a shame. But um, then you've got to be realistic, haven't you, as well? We've been speaking to Jane and, and Paige, and really the, the sort of consensus is that once horses are in your in your bloodstream, it's very difficult to to get them out. What what do you think? Yeah, it is very much so. I mean, um, uh, my daughter rides; she's got ponies. Um, uh, William William rides and plays football. He's probably more interested in football than he's in riding. Um, and but yeah, I, I've done it since since I was apprentice at Ian Balding, mm. and before that. 
um, as a kid, show jumping and whatever, and so is my wife. And so it's in it is in the blood, um, and it's and it's it's great. It's um, it's been it's been brilliant. And I'm not saying it's finishing now, but if it does, then we can look back on and say we we did a good job. How long ago did you start at at Kingsclear at Baldings oh, as an apprentice? Sixteen. So um, was it? Oh my! This is. 30 years ago? 30 years ago. 38. And how long ago does it feel? Five minutes. <laughs> 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 no, a great place to start and brilliant. Um, Ian, Ian and Mrs B were great and obviously Andrew's taken over now and he's doing an amazing job as well, but they're a great family and yeah, really, really good, good times there. How long were you there? How much of your was there effectively older childhood did it take up? was there for five years and lucky enough to ride um, a good few winners and uh, already winning for the Queen which is amazing, and uh, for George Strawbridge and Paul Mellon and people like that. So, um, yeah, it was a good grounding. It, it was, um, uh, Ian, the governor, was, was, was brilliant, and everyone, it was just a great place to start, you know. When you were there, was training something that was always on your mind? No, it was just being a jockey at the, at the time, um, at, that, at that age. Um, it wasn't really, I wasn't thinking about anything else bar, bar riding horses. And when did the when did the training really become a thing? Something um, that you thought could work? Uh, probably, um, I was at the racing college as instructor there for about five years, mm -hmm. and that since since then that had always been in the back of my mind. Just to because you you felt that you had more to yeah. more to give, more to offer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. We were lucky enough. My father-in-law set up the yard for us, and um, uh, we're, we're lucky enough to you know to got the license and to um, to have had some real good times. And you you did. Develop that niche with with the sprinters yeah. and started to, to really get them get them rolling. What do you think you were doing that was was good that set you apart? Um, the, the 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 sprinter thing was just by accident, if you like. Um, Take cover was the uh, the first sort of name we got in. Oh, he wasn't the name at the time, but um, he ended up being good. Then with Duke of Frenzy um, and then Ornate and uh, you know all, all the other ones, which predominantly were sort of five and six furlong horses mm. um, and. I, I don't know why we just landed like that. Um, we we used to just give them sort of the attention they needed. Um, some of them are uh, mad, like take cover or Nate. Uh, two examples that w which were crazy. Was, was he a, a full-on nutcase? Take cover was absolutely uh, deranged. In what like, way? It just um, it just couldn't literally on the ground. It's fine. On top of him, you couldn't move. I remember in the Nunthorpe, we got loose. We used to get led down to the start. My wife used to lead him down, and somehow we got loose at the five furlong pole. And all Dave Allen did was move his knee, and that was it. He was away. He went down to the, to the sixth. He had run third that day, actually. But he was one of those that was just, you have to just sit and pray. <laughs> Nothing he just had two out. speeds, go and yes, stop. Yeah. Just stop and flat out, yeah, mm. yeah. So how do you manage a horse like that? Uh, just... Um, he was. He was. He wasn't. It wasn't delicate. You just look look after them. We should do all of them, but you probably look after horses like that a little bit more, um, and just keep them happy, happy, well, and fed, and uh, and after that they'll um, if they get they're good enough they'll win races. And luckily he was sort of one of the best sprinters of his time, wasn't he? He was a he was a fantastic horse as well, and not bred to be. Not, but no, was. by Singsbill out of a, um, a mile winning mare, so. Not bred to be a five million horse at all, <laughs> and I mean there did seem to be a bit of a thread running through those those horses that you had that they were they were horses who would just blast and roll like ornate being being the ornate same. Ornate did yeah. Did you feel did you feel that that was a 
that that was a deliberate ploy. You know, something that you, know, you just use a horse's speed rather than try and hang on to it. The, the, uh, Duke was a different one. Duke was a hold-up mm. horse, but the other two were. Um, I always say you can you can you can make a horse slow by trying to ride it to get a trip. Yeah. Um, if they've got that raw absolute speed, like ornate antique cover ha have got or had. Um, let them let them use it. I mean, everyone, you, well, they'll get six furlongs if you hold them up. Why? Just let them use that total raw speed because if you try and make a trip, make them get 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 further. I think you just take away that natural raw speed that they that some of them have got. Do you look at the situation now and think there should be a way that I can operate a business, even at a scale? Yeah, there the, the should be totally. I mean, um, uh, even if you know you need. 15 horses probably um, uh, to make it work I and mean, if they're if they're um, top level or doesn't matter what level they are um, but you need the owners to own them mm -hmm. and th and that's what we're and pay the bills and pay the bills and that's what we're struggling with with, with owners you know we just uh, there isn't um, there isn't that many of them about for us and I don't know why are you good at selling yourself I think so um, it's a results driven business massively um, but uh, I think probably not as much as I should be uh, maybe, but um, yeah, I think I'm pretty approachable. Mm. And uh, am I? <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. You've always, you know, you've always come across as somebody who's very willing with their time and generous with their time and generous to talk about the talk about the game. So yes, it is a it, it is a puzzle, but it is not easy. This Neil, is it? I, I, I mean, I, God knows what the answer is. I, I guess I always think that you know when you hear people telling the story in the way that that David is, you often hear them say. Uh, you know, there's a certain number of horses at which point it becomes a properly viable business and below that it's a struggle. Uh, and I think in other industries, if you hit that situation, you just see more mergers and acquisitions, don't you? Yeah. Uh, now you can do uh, joint, joint licenses. licenses. Yeah. I'm surprised that more of the kind of small to medium sized trainer, people with 30 or 40 yeah, horses, yes, don't just yeah. team up and get together. Have you considered could you, that? Could you all? do it? Oh, I think you could do it, definitely, yeah. Mm. There wouldn't would be. you do it? Yes, I would do it, yeah. Um, I think that's a, I, something that I thought about a while ago, actually. Um, it, why wouldn't you get together with mm. st with, with two and say, mm. and if and, it, and people have got different strengths, haven't they? So say we're good at training sprinters, other people might be good at two-year-olds, because we're not particularly good at two-year-olds. I, I would say um, we've had two-year-old winners, but I, I wouldn't put myself as a two-year-old trainer at all. But if you've got two people together who were good at that and good at that, then you've probably got a good team, haven't you? And you've got the real estate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you have sp you have the space. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody came Together, and brought yeah. twenty horses suddenly, yeah, exactly, and said, yeah. "Come on, we'll get ourselves on the license." Yeah, and that'd be yeah. You'd you'd consider that definitely hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. There you are. You see. There we are. Opportunity knocked yeah. <laughs> for somebody at home first. You seem very philosophical. You you've got some irons in the fire, whilst not completely dismissing the the prospect of uh, of carrying on. Does it have to be in this industry? Do you um, have to stay in racing? I don't think you have to, but um, the experience that I've got, um, and and you know, from sort of sixteen, um, I think it'd be a waste yeah. not to stay in the in Definitely. industry. You know. Um, uh, I wouldn't have to, but I would. I would love to, and I think I will definitely yeah. stay in the industry. You know, yeah, uh, it would make sense to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. And would you, given the experiences that you've been through, would you encourage your own children to to go into racing or not? Yes, totally. Um, it, it's nice. great. It's um, it is brilliant. You need a lot of luck. You've got to work hard. Um, luck's 
a huge, a huge um, factor, I think, in, in when, you, when you let go of the horse, you, you're, you're, that result is in charge of, of a jockey that sometimes you know quite well, sometimes you don't know at all, and a horse that is un- unpredictable, and so it's massive amount of luck from the way they go down to when they jump out the stalls. Um, but uh, yeah, you got to work hard and have a bit of luck, and I would definitely um, say to Kira and William and Austin, if they wanted to, then yeah, definitely. Well, I sincerely hope that whatever the next chapter is, it's a fruitful and successful one, as so many of them have been have been so far. Um, David, thanks for thanks for coming to thank chat you. to us today. No, thank you. Much appreciated. Thanks.